say the game is getting old Monday morning and your coffee's cold Life is not what you want it to be Hello everyone and welcome to A New Direction. My name is Jay Izzo and oh man, I gotta tell you something. I don't remember. I, I mean, I get excited about shows. You know how I am. I am ex- so excited about doing a show. I got to tell you something. When John Rossman and I got connected together, and I got a hold of this book called The Amazon Way. Let, let me repeat that. The Amazon Way. I have to tell you something. I was stoked. Then I read the book once. Then I read it again a second time. Oh my gosh, this book is power packed. Okay, so the title alone, right, kind of goes, you go, oh, that's kind of interesting. But then when you read the 14 principles of leadership, right, right, the, the Amazon's 14 leadership principles, when you start looking at these and then you start going, oh, that's why they're successful. I wonder if I can apply that back to my business. Here's what John Rossman is going to tell you. Yes, you can. And you should. And he has a 15th leadership principle that maybe we'll get to, um, but which I think is just absolutely powerful and dynamic. See, that's the teaser. That's the teaser for you, right? But before we get to him, let's do what we do every week, right? Hey, listen, I walk you through the four areas of your life, right? We're four-part people. We're physical, mental, emotional, spiritual people. And the truth of the matter is, if we are not working on ourselves every day, you know what the truth is? Because we don't stay static. If you're not growing, what's the other answer? You're dying. And so we need to be working on ourselves physically, mentally, mostly spiritually every day. So here's what we do on the show. Everybody around the world, and by the way, thank you for listening, everybody, and everybody watching Oh my gosh, thank you uh, to everybody around the world who watches, uh, whether you're watching us on Roku, Amazon, uh, Fire Sticks, uh, LG TV, Samsung TVs, uh, Apple TV. Thank you. You know what? I know you have a lot of choices. You chose us. So here's how this works, walking you through. So first of all, on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being my training every day is blah, or 10, my training is awesome. Five being average, how would you rate yourself physically? What does that mean? So if you were to take like getting enough exercise, um, eating right, drinking enough water, getting enough sleep, if you were to take all those things together and you were to average them out, how would you say you did in the past seven days on a scale of one to 10, right? Now look, the number isn't important here. It's your starting place. Because if you say to me, well, Jay, my last week I've been awful. I've probably been a three. Okay, you know what? Then how can we get to a 3.25? We don't have to get to a 10. We just got to get a little better, right? All right, so you've got your first number. Second number is your mental or intellectual number, right? What are you doing to improve yourself mentally, right? What are you doing to grow mentally? You have to be, one of the leadership principles in here, you got to be a learner, man. You've got to be in constant learning mode. You've got to be better at what you do. If you're going to take ownership, hint, 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 of what you're doing, then you better be in learner mode because in order to be a great owner, you have to be constant learning. So how do you do that? Well, we got to work both halves of our brain, right brain, left brain, right? You know, well, reading a book is a great way to do that, right? And if you don't read books, you say, oh, you know, I don't have time to read books. I listen to books. Okay, I don't mind you listening to a book. I think it's great, but do me a favor. Every time you listen to a book, I want you to go down and I want you to write three things that you learned that day from listening. Just write them down. It's what I do with my coaching clients. I say, okay, we're going to listen to a book. 
when whatever you listen to, whatever that period of time, write down three things in that period that you learned from that session. All right? Because as John said, you know what? You got to pay attention in school, right? So on a scale of one to 10, how would you rate yourself in terms of your intellectual growth? All right? That's your second number. Third number, right, is emotional. And, you know, we talk a lot on this show about Daniel Goleman, who's written tons and tons of work, done tons and tons of work on uh, emotional quotients, emotional intelligence. And I basically break it down this simply. On a scale of one to 10, how would you rate yourself in terms of A, how well you're able to control your emotions under stress and pressure, and B, how well are you able to tap into and understand the emotions of others? That's simple. All right? Whatever that number is, that's the emotional number, right? And because then you can work on it. Because here's the one thing. First of all, if, you, if you're not doing one or stress and pressure, like when somebody cuts you off in traffic, <laughs> right? Well, you have a choice of how you can respond. We all do emotionally, right? And the second piece is, you know what? You have to be an active listener if you really want to understand the emotions of other people. Because our decisions are made emotionally. And so it's harder to understand another person's position if you don't understand what they're emotional, what they are emotionally and where they're at, which means you may have to expand your emotional vocabulary. By the way, there's Google that up because there's a tons of things that you can learn about emotional vocabulary. And then finally, the, the fourth number is your spiritual number, right? And, you know, how would you say you're doing with your higher power, right? Whatever that is, you know, how are you doing? How is that working for you? I mean, what brings you back to center? What brings you back to peace in the midst of chaos? Is it working for you? And it doesn't matter. Is it, is it God? Is it, is it nature? Is it something else? Is it meditation? Is it, is it working for you? Is it making a difference? Is it changing you? Right? And if it's not, then you've got to change it. So what score would you give you in terms of connecting spiritually to your higher power? Right? Those four numbers now that you have are like the airing the tires of your car. If you think about it, if the air and the tires of your car are off, right, what happens? The car veers one way or to the other. It doesn't drive right. Or if it's too, too low, what happens is you're going to ruin something in the car. It makes it difficult to steer. It makes it difficult to drive. But when we're at the right height, when we have the air and our tires filled right, the car runs better. Everything runs smoother, right? We get to our destination where it's supposed to be. We're more efficient. We're more fuel efficient. We are better as people. So, speaking of someone who's got his tires inflated all to the right height, his name is John Rossman. And John Rossman is the author of this book, The Amazon Way, and it is uh, part of a book series. And he's a former uh, leader and current managing partner at Rossman Partners, uh, an, an advisory firm helping clients compete in the digital era. Mr. Rossman is an expert at crafting and implementing innovative and digital business models and capabilities. He is a sought-after speaker, speaker, and you know how I feel about my... Uh, fellow speakers, folks, just telling you, hire him. He's really good. Uh, he is a sought-after speaker on leadership, innovation, and company culture. John was an executive at Amazon.com, where he played a key role in launching the Amazon Marketplace uh, business as the director, director of merchant integration and went on to have responsibilities for the enterprise business at Amazon. Uh, John's blog is the hyphen Amazon hyphen way. That's the, T-H-E, dash amazon dash way.com which by the way you can download if you go there you can download the um poster or the picture or the graphic for uh these 14 leadership principles um he can be reached at uh, info at rossman 
partners.com. That's Rossman, R-O-S-S-M-A-N, partners.com. And we are going to talk to him today. So ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the show and welcome for the first time. And I don't think it's going to be the last, my new friend, John Rossman. Welcome, John. Hey, Jay, thanks. I, I don't know if all my tires are quite full. You, you gave me some great things to think about there. So thank you for that. <laughs> you are so welcome. All right, let's dig right into the book because the book is absolutely fantastic. It's so well written and it's just, it's just so well done. You, you, Thank you. you, these principles, uh, matter of fact, you talk about these 14 principles and there is a 15th that I kind of teased about. Um, you say right out of the beginning in the preface of the book, don't rush to set out your principles in stone. <laughs> I love this. Etch them in jello. Okay. So we've got to have our own set of principles. We may base them on, on, on these 14 principles of the Amazon way, but Why? Do we not want to etch them in stone immediately? Why etch them in jello up front? Because you have to meet them um, and you have to be willing for tenants or principles or, or, you know, kind of culture to take effect. Senior leaders have to truly practice them every single day. Um, and what I find is when you're making changes on topics like this, you, you got to make sure that you understand like what they mean, how to model them, how to activate them, right? Amazon talks about principles and then they talk about mechanisms. Mechanisms are the little things you do to practice or demonstrate or put into to the action, uh, the principle. And that, that just takes time to form new little habits and to really go, what do we prioritize uh, as a business? What these principles help Amazon answer for themselves is like, how do we hold each other accountable? How do we set priorities? How do we try to um, create common approaches and, and, and frameworks for how we make decisions? What do you want your principles to address, right? Um, and so that's why I would just like suggest, think about it a lot. Um, actually, you know, think, uh, write them out as a, as a team, but then practice them for a while and then come back to them and then decide like, okay, do we have them right? Amazon didn't rush to, to make these principles. When I was at Amazon, so I was at Amazon from early 2002, late 2005, these principles weren't codified. They weren't written out. It was a couple of years after I left that they codified them, but we were practicing them every day, right? Like we were like, well, what does customer obsession mean in a third party seller business? Like, hey, are we thinking big enough about the business that we're launching? So we were, we were trying to practice them and going through that process of, developing them, not rushing to implement or to codify them. So I know that people, by the way, that's beautifully stated. Um, I know that people are dying to know, God, you know, you worked at Amazon, you were with Jeff Bezos, right? And I thought in the introduction and you just, I think we're going to have to tell the story because it was your first year at Amazon and, <laughs> and Jeff Bezos dressed you down, man. <laughs> but that was part, that's part of, this is part of where the story starts, isn't it? And where you start. It really is. Okay, so help people understand kind of your first real big interaction with Jeff. Well, it wasn't the first, first big one. It was, it was, it was definitely a memorable one. But it, so I started in 2002. We launched the Marketplace business in in fall of 2002 so this is in january of 2003 it's it's at the s team meeting so there, it's it's a you know big meeting you know 25 30 people and jeff started off with a very specific question which is how many third-party sellers we call them merchants how many merchants have we launched this year and i began to explain 
the background that essentially we didn't have any that we could launch. And he goes, the answer to that question begins with a number. So I go six, but, and then he just cut me off from there and, and, and just said like, that was, that's the most, you know, pathetic answer in the world. And, you know, you, you, you've allowed yourself to become a bottleneck, blah, 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 blah. It, but the message and the demonstration was, um, was insightful and it was this which is although my title was the director of merchant integration he saw me and he wanted me to act like i ran the business of third-party selling at amazon and so don't pay as much attention to the org chart or the titles act with a broad lens to business results not just your functional compartmental results that was the message there uh, and everything and so it was it was a great lesson and and as i told you kind of before the show like i didn't write these principles um i just paid attention in class maybe for the first time in my life and i learned so much from those four years at amazon in how to be a real operator and how to be a real leader. And it, 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 it changed me forever. Uh, it's, it's such a wonderful story because I think some people who can get dressed down like that, we might've quit or they might've felt sorry for themselves. That was not the role you took. Instead you took the perseverant role. And I'm so, I'm so such a big person on resilience and perseverance. And you took a different role to say, okay, um, I'm going to step up here and we're going to do it. Step up. Yeah, right. Right. And so uh, let's just start. Let's just start in on these 14 principles. Let's start with principle number one that you write in the book. And it is uh, principle number one is customer obsession. And by the way, I'm going to let people know that when John writes these chapters, he right away comes out with a short paragraph, uh, a sentence or two, maybe three of kind of what he means when he says this. And then he goes into a much deeper dive. Uh, into which each one of these, uh, you know, mean and how they related back to when he has his time at Amazon. So let's talk about leaders. Hey, 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 just, just for clarification. So the, the principle and the explanation, those are Amazons uh, and everything. And then I kind of tell the story ah, behind okay. it, try to give an example of like how we practice it and everything. But that, but the, again, like I did not write these principles. They are Amazons. I got to help play a role in creating that culture and understanding these principles as really only an insider could do. Thank you for that. I appreciate that clarification. I really do. All right. So let's talk about customer obsession. All right. So leadership principle one, I think it's obvious where we want to say, okay, we should care about the customer, but Bezos principle here and what all of Amazon was it was something beyond you said you describe it this way it was really something beyond a mere obsession it's a psychosis yeah, yeah. i mean from the very beginning jeff's vision for amazon was um be the world's most customer centric company comma ever uh and he and he meant that when he says things he tends to mean things and especially <laughs> if he repeats himself he means things and so then the leadership principle customer obsession and it starts you know it reads uh leaders start with the customer and work backwards they work vigorously to earn and keep customer trust and while they pay attention to competitors they obsess about customers one thing a, a couple of things i'd point out is is it is just one of 14 leadership principles and in one of the you know I'll, I'll put it in kind of rookie mistakes that that um i'll see people do is like well all i need is customer obsession no 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 you 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 need a balanced set of perspectives 
and the the mastery of them is like how to use them um, at the right moment for the right purpose and and kind of intertwine them. And it's oftentimes the tension between principles of like both customer obsession and we have to get the right results. You know, that's what forces us to create a better or innovative solution. And so you can't over index on any one of these principles. This is the first leadership principle. It probably is the most famous, but I would call it the first among equal, right? Um, okay. All of these leadership principles matter. I, I, I think I think one of the things that I liked about this first principle that, you know, interviewing hundreds of people that I've interviewed on this show, you know, they talk about customer experience, customer satisfaction. I, nobody's used the word obsession before. And that puts it in a different framework for me when I hear the word yeah. obsession. And I think, you know, I, 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 I understand though why that's got to be a starting point because it seems that everything builds from here. I, I, I agree that, that they're it, all. It, it, it does. Yeah. And, and that word obsession, like what is it when, when you don't share an obsession with somebody, like how do they appear, right? They, they're, they're irresponsible, right? Like right. they're spending time, focus, money, attention on something that seems a little deranged. And that is exactly mm. how Amazon intends to be interpreted on this topic. Like, yeah, they do some weird things and they don't always work out. Right. right. And I think there's really two types of customer obsession. There's kind of a tactical customer obsession and there's a strategic customer obsession. Mm. The tactical customer obsession means we have to be obsessed about getting the customer promise, the customer experience perfect for today, right? Today's package, today's delivery, today's customer experience. Super important, right? That right. leans on our operational excellence um, right. orientation in, in our skills. The other type is strategic customer obsession. And strategic customer obsession gives you not just the permission, but the obligation to be extremely curious, like upstream and downstream of who your customer is and what's going on with them, bigger and broader than just how you're serving them today. And if you have persistent strategic customer obsession and you complement that with the, the willingness to explore and to try and to innovate new things, over time, you'll find new ways to serve that customer and you will understand them better than your competition will. Mm, I love that. I, 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 I love that. I just, I just see it so much in everything that Amazon does. You know, I mean, listen, who most, all, most of the world uses Amazon and they make it simple and they want it to be simple for me and efficient. And so it just makes sense. It's, just, it does seem like it's pretty intuitive. And, and now that we have uh, Alexa around us, right? I mean, we've, we, we've made it even simpler for us. I want to talk about something within this chapter, though, that um, Jeff Bezos says a quote that you quote in the book. It says, I can never imagine a world where a customer wants less selection, higher prices, and slower delivery. And you talk about the holy trinity, um, as Amazon thinks of it, of price, selection, and convenience. What, where did that come from? And, and and, and how does that relate back to us? Because it makes so much sense. I just never yeah. heard it considered that before. Well, I mean, that came, that came from, from, from Jeff and just him, you know, thinking a lot about essentially the value proposition of what Amazon was. I got to travel with him a couple of times and we were at a big enterprise client of ours. And he was asked like, well, how does Amazon decide what to innovate on? There's so many choices out there. 
um, how do you decide what to do? And he goes, well, you know, I think about durable customer needs. And so the ones he talked about was, you know, I can't imagine a world where a customer wants a higher price. I can't imagine a world where a customer wants less selection. And I can't imagine a world where a customer wants slower delivery. Mm -hmm. And so in general, those are the three swim lanes that we're, we're going to continue to invest and innovate in. Again, circa 2003, there wasn't cloud computing, there wasn't all these other businesses that Amazon is in, but, but in retail, those are still like, oh yeah, kind of everything they do builds around those three value propositions to a customer. That's Amazon's uh, rubric, that's Amazon's strategy relative to that. In no way am I suggesting like, well, those are the, the, the right durable customer needs for anybody else. But what are your durable, durable customer mm -hmm. needs? Like what are the things that are going to transcend time for your customers? And so then how do we explore those bigger and broader? That's beautiful. His name is John Rossman. The book is entitled The Amazon Way, a Amazon's 14 Leadership Principles. You're listening to him here on A New Direction. Hey, folks, listen, Epic Physical Therapy, my physical therapist, not just mine. I mean, they're actually the physical therapist of professional athletes and uh, people all over. Listen, they offer you some of the most incredible treatments available, but I will tell you what the most important thing is. They customize the treatment that's just for you, right? So when you're ready for your Epic Relief, your Epic Recovery, your Epic Results, go to Epic Physical Therapy. That's EpicPT.com. That's E-P-I-C-P-T.com. And Linda Craft and Team Realtors for more than 35 years, she has been serving the world by helping people sell their home and buy their home. And how does she do that for 35 years? Well, she creates relationships with some of the top professionals in your area. And so it's, she's independently owned and operated. So when you're ready to sell your home or buy your home, don't look any further. Talk to her team, the Linda Craft team at lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. And I got to give a shout out to him. What are the official beverage of DBTV? That's right, DBTV, David Bruner TV. That is the TV app that you can download on Roku and Amazon Fire Sticks. And starting August 1st, it will be Samsung, LG, Android, and Apple TV. You can watch the show. And Hint is the official beverage of, of DBTV and, and our show too. So you know what? Check out, get yourself some Hint. And we're back here on A New Direction with John Rossman. The book is entitled The Amazon Way, Amazon's 14 Leadership Principles. Um, absolutely fabulous read. Folks, uh, I'm going to just read a quote that he said about this book uh, because I think you, you need to know that, first of all, he did not write, this book is not written to be an extremely long read. Matter of fact, he said he meant it to be uh, a read that you could be on the plane and maybe with one glass of wine, maybe two. You can get through the entire book, and it certainly is a, a great read, but you're going to dive into it like I did, I promise you, and you're going to dig and dig and dig. All right, <coughs> excuse me. John, let's go into uh, principle number two, ownership. Um, you, uh, What they say is that leaders are owners. They think long-term, don't sacrifice long-term value for short-term results. They act on behalf of the entire company beyond just their own team. They never say, quote, that's not my job, unquote. Yeah, yeah, this is probably one of the um, like most understated uh, leadership principles. And especially when I work in big uh, corporate organizations, like th this is the one that they, they really need to pay the most attention to because 
What most companies do is their teams are looking for local optimization that actually works against enterprise optimization, both short-term and long-term. And, and you know, the way that we set up goals and budgets and MBOs and all those things actually at times really compromise enterprise value. So part of my job when I'm consulting with them and, and advising them is, is, is like really try to create the, the atmosphere, the mindset of like, like, hey, we work as an owner for this company. You're not, you know, this team lead. You're not that team lead. You don't run this budget. We run the company. What would we do then, right? And it's amazing that little tiny tweak in your perspective, essentially, what am I trying to optimize for, makes all the difference in the world. People are extremely motivated and good optimizers, right? Like you give them, you tell them like, how am I going to optimize something? Like we, we worked it out. And as, as senior leaders, as boards, we have to be really careful about the incentives that we create underneath. But if you, but realizing you're never going to get that perfect, if you can try to instill a mindset of like, you have to understand when we're in conversations where we need to be thinking of owners versus as a functional leader, and you'll start making better decisions. I I I, I love that because it's 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 you're, you're you're talking about excellence in a large part of the way. It's ownership excellence, right? I mean, if you're if you're an owner, if you if you take ownership, and by the way, it doesn't matter what job you have, wherever you're listening to us right now or watching us right now, it doesn't matter what job you have. Take ownership of it because it's a matter it's a matter of excellence, right? Because if you're an owner of something, you're going to be excellent, right? You you, you have pride in it, right? Like right. I tell the story in the book about a, a story that Jeff told about like how you know Amazon in its early days had a Christmas party and and they rented a hall. And somebody literally used a nail to prop up a Christmas tree. And, and he was just, he was aghast at that because a, an owner would never do that. If you owned this facility, you would never do that. And, and in both small things and big things in our life, you'll, you'll, you'll actually feel a whole lot better. I think you'll be mentally healthier. You won't have guilt. If you're always thinking about, well, what would I do if I was the owner of, of, you know, whatever the circumstance is and you'll act bigger and you'll, you'll think more long-term and the, 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 the bet you're making is that long-term thinking wins over short-term thinking. And that, that's the fundamental bet you're making there. And, and I think history plays out that long-term thinking is always a better mental model. Let's talk about in this chapter, because I was fascinated by the open kimono effect, the open kimono. Let's talk about that because I, it's an important principle within this principle. Yeah, I, I could have put that story um, in a couple of different places. I, I, I could have uh, put it in our right a lot or um, insist on the higher standards, but open kimono mindset is really a mechanism. Like, hey, how do you how do you lead these the, these principles? And and the open kimono is about the willingness to kind of bear your imperfections. Um, first. And so if you talk about your problems, uh, the things your team has failed at, you will not just think more critically about what you can do and your ownership relative to it. That's why it's in this chapter, because it's about owning, not def being defensive relative to it. But you actually create an environment where then others go, well, here's how I contributed to that problem, you know, and everything, right? In, in business, most problems 
are multifaceted, right? It's a system of something happening right or something happening wrong. And it's rare that it's like one single thing happened in order to, to create a really bad situation. Typically, it's lots of things that happened. And so that mechanism of, of you know, thinking about the oval kimono and featuring what you did to contribute to a situation, that's really the, the critical mindset that helps understand like, hey, I have to think critically about what I contributed here, even if I'm not the most obvious um, contributor to the situation. And again, that sets the environment for everybody else to do the same. So that's real leadership. I love that. I, I love that ex- that extremeness of it. All right, uh, let's go to number uh, chapter. Or, uh, yeah, I'm going to get this out right, Jeff. Leadership I'm, I'm, principle. I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I promise you, I will. I'm going to get it right. Hey, hey, Amazon refers to them as LPs, right? So leadership principles. Yeah. Yeah. Le- <laughs> All right, so let's go to principle number three, invent and simplify. Yeah, so, you know, this this leadership principles encourages uh, leaders to both innovate and to simplify. And what I think is most interesting about this leadership principle isn't the invention half of it. It's the and simplify piece, right? Mm. And what it does is it recognizes that simplifying is both as important and as hard as innovating. And it's absolutely true. Some of the the edgiest work I get to do with clients is in simplifying not just their customer experiences and their employee experiences, but their processes, their data flows, their roles, their responsibilities, their policies. All of these things get added over time and rarely do they get rationalized as to like, well, what's really essential and how do I create the simplest version of my capability um, as possible? And especially with so many great, innovative digital technologies at hand, the most important things, if if you wanna apply AI to your business or robotic process automation or something like that, the most important work you do isn't the technology work, the most important work you do is the upfront simplification work of what your process, your goals, your approaches are, and then you can apply automation. So this this leadership principle is just foundational to me, but it's the and simplify piece. It's not the the, the innovation piece. That will come. Mm. Yeah, I think this is this is a principle that spoke to me. You know, having uh, you and I talked before the show that I worked in university settings, and uh, sadly. Um, the university setting is not the simplest. <laughs> I, I'm just being honest here, and and it's the design's just not simple because there's just so many layers. Nations aren't simple. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, that's the thing. That's the thing that that rung the incentive system. Yeah, right. Because this this the simplicity. Because I think we don't focus enough on simplicity. Right. I think we. I think we. I think we're so focused on innovating something or inventing something new that we're not focused on the simplicity part of it. And what you say is that, you know, simple is the key to easy, fast, intuitive, and low cost. And reliable. Yes, absolutely. Right. And so that's a, that's gotta be a mindset shift, but it's, it's individual, but it's gotta be corporate. That that's, that's, that's not always the difficult I mean, because within so many so many corporations that I've you know been in and worked with, the simplicity is not necessarily no. the mindset. 
No, it, it's not because everybody, again, is kind of looking for local optimization versus enterprise optimization, mm. right? This is an mm. example where these leadership principles kind of play off of each other, right? Mm. And so, you know, if you're the lawyer or you're the procurement manager or you're the IT leader, you typically are trying to optimize for your goals and your approaches and processes. But that leads to that may give you local simplicity, but it, it lends towards distributed complexity. Mm. And so it's the complexity that builds up over time because we don't always see it, right? It gets hidden above us and beyond us. And so it, it really is, as you're saying, like it takes a team of leaders and hence why a principle needs to be shared and everybody needs to, if you can get everybody operating even closely to it, you're going to achieve things that other companies can't because hey, you know, I, I have the permission to call out, like, I don't think that's the, the simplest way to go about it. And people should go, oh, okay, I recognize why you're calling that out. You have permission to call that out. Let's rethink our position on that. And this is the problem with bureaucracy in business, right? I mean, because it, it, it does the layering of it, because you talk about process versus bureaucracy. Right. It, it, it's it, was, not, it was another great lecture from Bezos. Yep. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, no. I, I, he 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 just uh, gave a great lecture one time about like you know the subtle difference between you know process and bureaucracy and you know a, a, a bureaucracy is one where you know you you really can't recognize who the owner who can say yes to, um, but a process always has names always has accountability it's always well understood and is transparent that's beautiful that's beautiful one of the other things highlights in this chapter that i saw was the in in the innovation piece because i don't want to i don't want to neglect that is and, and, it, and it just popped out at me because it was something i just never thought of and that was imitate the competition and don't be afraid to fail first of all there's there's two things there's two things in there that are one of the biggest one to me is so often I think we are afraid <laughs> to imitate the comp competition because we think we got to do something original, but that's not the way they saw it and or the way you see it. Yeah, no. And, you know, there's a difference between kind of blind copying versus smart learning. Right. Mm. And by copying, really what we're saying is learn. Right. Learn from your competition, learn from from others, from other industries and then apply it for your customers, right? And so you, you, you can't blind copy, you have to, it, 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 copying is really a learning mechanism to question yourself and go, oh, like how can we do better? Here's a good example, right? And that's what your competition might be doing. So uh, I want. there's one other piece in this chapter that I wanna talk about, it's called a deep keel. And uh, on page 44, you have this quote, if you're gonna innovate, you often need to endure others that being competitors, financial markets, press, et cetera, laughing or being sarcastic or negative. Um, let's talk about deep keel, what we mean, what you mean by that and in your system of innovation. Yeah. A deep keel means you just have to be committed and trust your instincts, trust the process that you've gone through, trust what you're doing. And you want to be pay attention to your competitors. You want to pay attention to what others are saying, but you have to, you have to trust yourself, right? Especially if you are making a non-intuitive move, that's when you really need to understand your deep keel. So, and there's so many examples of this from Amazon's past, but when we launched free everyday shipping, so that was in circa 2000, 
the reaction from the press, from media, from competitors was, was just like, oh, the, the Amazon doesn't know what they're doing. Like they can't afford to do this. They can't continue to do this. They don't understand retail, you know, and everything, right? If, if we had listened to the press and if we had been looking at short-term results, we would have, we would have reversed our position, but instead like, nope, this is the right thing, both for our customer and long-term for um, the enterprise. And we had a deep keel and stuck with it. I'm going to skip ahead uh, one, um, unless you feel like we should talk nope. about the fourth one. Let's do it. Okay. I, because chapter five is one that's close, just near and dear to my heart. And I think it's, it's something that we promote on the show, which is why we call it new direction, but it's also something I'm, is one of my number one strengths um, is to learn and be curious. And you say what, what it says here is leaders are never done learning and always seek to improve themselves. Um, they're serious about new possibilities and act to explore them. And you have a, you have a subtitle that comes out of this, this chapter that's called it's still day one. Right. So it's explain you know, when you start, when you start thinking about learning and being curious and it's still day one, how do you put that together? Well, so, so day one is one of Jeff Bezos long time and an example of brilliant strategic communication where he kind of summarizes his optimism and the optimism the organization should have about the future. Right. And they talk about like, Hey, we're, we're inventors and explorers. The impact of the internet has just started. We are choosing to always be a company that is looking for the opportunity and not, not being defensive about it. That's what day one means for Amazon. And again, brilliant strategic communication on his behalf. And the path to get there is to be curious about new possibilities. So if you think about kind of your, your funnel of how you might progress on an, on an idea, what happens too often is people go right to either the test and build phase. What they don't pay attention to is the upfront, like how do we really learn about something deeply before we start acting on it? And so if you are curious as a team and are talking about, well, how might this concept uh, impact our business? When should we try to do something with this? When should we test it out? When should we do a pilot relative to something? Within the top part of your innovation funnel is going to be so much richer and you're going to have more success throughout the rest of your innovation uh, pipeline. And so it really, like, like reading, I think is the number one habit, but you have to read stuff that you actually either A, don't know, and this, or, and this is the hardest one that you actually don't believe in. Right. Mm. Um, and ask yourself, well, what would I have to believe in order for this to be true? Right. So if you're, if you're going like you're reading about blockchain, you know, and you're like blockchain, man, come on, that's, that's not working, you know, and everything, right. A better way to approach that is, well, what would have to be true for blockchain to impact my industry? Oh, you start exploring it through that. What if mindset versus the, the, like, you know, dismissive mindset, you're going to learn more and you're going to pick the right point at which to do we act on this, right? And that's, that's what the real learning mindset is, is asking like, how, how might this apply to our industry? And if you ask critical questions like that, as a habit, as a team, you're going to be a company that has more great ideas and, and your challenge is going to be how to pare down the great ideas 
but it's it's amazing how many how many teams like they aren't curious beyond what they know or what they believe. And I, and I would add this that we live in a world that really doesn't really want to learn more than they have to. Yeah. I, I mean, I I. I I remember. So, so think of this. Think of the strategic advantage you can have if you create a, a company. You know, Satya Nadella talks about the change that he's driven at Microsoft, right? And he said, "Well, what we've tried to do is switch from a know-it-all company to a learn-it-all company, right? Mm. Like, like that's the mindset of a champion is be a learn-it-all team and company and person." Yeah. See, this is God, This is so good because it's just I'm just just my my mind is racing so fast because. I'm thinking through this going, you know, if you have a learner mindset, right, then everything that we've talked about to this point, you're you're trying to really put inside your mind, body, soul, and spirit, trying to go, how can I grasp this and what can I get from this? How can I gather this? What can I do? How can I apply this? Is there a different way I can move this? Because I think that's what a learner mindset and a curious mindset does is they're always trying to gather more and then trying to apply it, right? right. And I, that, that's where the and act on it part of this right. principle is important, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, because it, it some see this is this starts to go hand. All these things start to interconnect for me when I when I start looking at these fourteen principles. I don't see them as individual, right? I see right. them as as a that they're all connected together. Like they're, they're it's kind of a circle, and I don't care. It's, where, it's, it's, it's a system. Mm. Right. Yeah. And which is what a circle is. Right. It's a system right. of things that push and pull and interact right. with each other. And you're you're absolutely right. And that's that's the complexity of these is it's a full playbook. Right. Like, there's right. you know, there's 14 um, of them. Uh, it's not um, it's not simplistic. Right. Um, they're simple, but they're not simplistic. And, right. and sometimes people just want. Like, hey, John, tell me the two or three that I need to have. It's right, like, right. Ah, I, I, I don't think I, most situations take two or three. Right. But you have a broad set of circumstances that face you as a company. You need a broad set of tenants or principles so that you're you're well situated for lots of different challenges and moments. Mm. Yeah, I, I yeah, I, the the more I started looking at these, the more I just I couldn't separate one from the other. To make it go, okay, well, you could do without two or three. It actually couldn't do without any of them. You know, they, especially if you're a company that wants to be endearing, that wants to be, you know, famous for impacting customers and for being creative mm-hmm. and innovative. I think if you want to be that type of company, I, I think you're going to need a pretty robust set of principles. Not that these are the right ones, but I think you're going to need a pretty robust set of principles. If you're not looking to create a legacy or enduring company and you kind of know what you're doing. Well, then you need a set that just helps you optimize for today, but you still need a set of principles, but maybe not as robust a playbook. Well, I don't know. I, I read something in here. says, don't be afraid to cop- to copy your competition. So <laughs> I think it's a good, copy place to, I, copy think it's, I think it's a good place to start. The book is called the right Amazon on. way. <laughs> it's the Amazon's 14 leadership principles. It's John Rossman. You're listening to him here on a new direction. Folks, my two sponsors, Epic Physical Therapy and uh, Linda Crafted Team Realtors. Well, Epic Physical Therapy offers the most advanced top-of-the-line equipment, uh, the Alter-G anti-gravity treadmill, Normatec compression sleeves, 
my favorite, the Game Ready, which is ice and compression all in one. Uh, they're certified trained in the most comprehensive cutting edge treatments like blood flow restriction theory, uh, therapy, dry needling, cupping. That's just a few. When you're ready for your epic relief, epic recovery, and epic results, start no place else but epic physical therapy. That's epicpt.com. That's E P I C P T.com. And Linda Craft and Team Realtors, listen, her very first customer that she had in 1985 when interest rates were. 18% still comes back and sees her today. And you know why? It's because she understands the power of relationships and she understands that, you know what, when you stay continually in touch and stay related and know the people that you work with um, year in, year out, you know what they're going to come back and do? They're going to come back and they're going to request you in the future. And she has done that so well in her 35 plus years. So you know what? Talk to the legend of customer service. That's what her clients call her. Talk to Linda Craft and her team. That's lindacraft.com. That's L-I-N-D-A-C-R-A-F-T.com. And we're back here on uh, New Direction with my friend John Rossman and uh, his book, The Amazon Way, uh, Amazon's 14 Leadership Principles. Um, I'm, I'm having a blast talking to you. I could talk to you for hours about this. This thing is just so good. I hate that we're cruising so fast through it because I want to go, I, I want to dig deeper. I want to take a deeper dive into this, but so good. Um, the, okay, so um, we're going to go to leadership principle six, at least chapter six, and that is hire and develop the best. And, and, and listen, this is an easy thing for us to say, uh, you know, when it comes to hiring people and, and, you know, well, you should always hire and develop the best people. But you, it, what it says here is that leaders raise the performance bar with every hiring promotion. That one sentence stuck out to me out of all of this because to me, it's like so often we try to keep hiring the same people. But to me, what you just said, what it just says here is that I'm trying to hire somebody even better. Yeah, and there's some great mechanisms or techniques kind of that Amazon employs to to help do that. Um, the biggest mistakes I've made in my career have typically been hiring mistakes. And as I look back and I try to understand, like, how did I make that mistake? It was typically like I was in a rush, right? right. Um, I had a project that needed to get done. I had a need that needed to be filled in, um uh, quickly. And so you, you hire kind of the first person that hits a minimum bar, right? right? And that's a natural human tendency for any hiring manager. And so what Amazon does to help counterbalance that, to help live up to this principle of hiring, not just for today's job, but hiring people that can and are motivated to, to morph with the work that needs to, to change over time is they have an independent party, so somebody who's not in the hiring organization, who evaluates the talent just on like relative to a specific job category, do do I think that this person raises the bar? And they, they oftentimes use the leadership principles as one measure um, relative to that. And that person has a veto vote, right? Mm. Um, they, they, they can just say, no, they don't. And the, the hiring manager can't, well, they can scream about it, but they can't change it, you know, and everything, right? And so that type of independent practice just helps counterbalance kind of that rush to hire to help over time create a better hiring bar um, at Amazon. And I think it's I think it's a notable and easy to implement uh, tactic at companies to help not compromise on your hiring. Well, you 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 have a quote here from Jeff that says uh, that he said that it is often better to let the perfect person go 
than to hire the wrong person and have to deal with the ramifications. Yeah, well, that's 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 ownership. That's long term thinking right there. Right. And wow. so, you know, he's definitely, you know, like, hey, if I'm going to make a mistake. Is it better to make a mistake of letting the perfect person go or to make the mistake of hiring somebody that doesn't raise the bar? And he's clearly saying for Amazon, the right answer is to not to let the perfect candidate go. We'd rather fail on that side of this than hire people who don't raise the bar. Mm-hmm. Th- that leads us to the next one in chapter seven, which is insist on the highest standards. Because, and, and I mean, again, this thing just seems to go hand in hand because like I can take insist on the highest standards and go right back to customer obsession, right? Because if I'm customer obsessed, I'm also thinking about the highest standards there too, right? This just this is why this thing is just so interwoven. It's it's this thing that's so connected for me. But yeah, yeah. This was, let, let me read the first sentence from from the leadership principle. It says, "Leaders have relentlessly high standards. Many people may think these standards are unreasonably high." This is the leadership principle that I think is the trickiest. It's the, it's the one that can get misused mm. the most, right? Somebody, and I've seen this done both inside Amazon and outside Amazon, where you know a, a leader trying to kind of prove prove their worth um, will, well, you know, you need to. This doesn't hit the the standard, um, and and you can pull that card on kind of almost anything. And and the key part of this is you have to have apply the right standards for the right moment right Mm -hmm. so for example if i'm really trying to be precise about a specific topic or or a solution that needs to be enacted or or a difficult situation things being or a business case hey man that that spreadsheet that description needs to be absolutely perfect but if i'm uh in a moment where i'm trying to to outline a new idea and, and I don't have a, pr- a pressure proven business case. Well, then holding that business case to the standard that you did the, the, the earlier one, well, that's the wrong standard. And that, that's why this one takes, it takes a lot of wisdom to apply it correctly because you have to understand the context in which you're applying it and you have to apply the right standard at the right moment and then make it high. And if you apply the wrong standard at the wrong moment and make it high, well, you, you'll just frustrate people to no end. Well, there's a great story in here. It's called Cookies or Cookies and Crumpets. <laughs> and I think you need to share it because it's part of this whole thing. And I don't, I, it's kind of like the obsession. There's almost an obsession here. Do, do we, does it go cookies or cookies and crumpets? Can you tell the story, share the story? Yeah, it, it, it was one of the more curious meetings I ever had with, with Bezos. It was a small meeting we were launching the gourmet store and there was three or four of us in the meeting. We were reviewing the beta site, right? Like we were, we were getting ready to go live with the, the gourmet site. And we were going through a site review with Jeff, which tells you kind of the level of detail he operates at. Right. Um, and he, we, we were looking at, the, so the browse nodes are essentially like the, the, the structure of how merchandise is displayed in the store. And he was like, you know, we had one that was cookies and crumpets. And and he, like, for 10 minutes, we explored, like, was it cookies and crumpets as a separate one or cookies and crumpets? And 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 it was, it was interesting to me. I was like, are we really spending the CEO's time on this matter? But what he was really demonstrating was, A, I think he was in a good mood that afternoon. B, was that, like, 
hey, you got to pay attention to the details here, you know, and everything, right? And and understand why you're doing every little detail. That's that's kind of what I took from you know the underlying message that Jeff was sending us was was like, hey, if I'm willing to spend time questioning this you better be also questioning these sorts of things. The story felt to me like he was in this playful little mood and he was being playful in a playful way, trying to teach a lesson here. And he was yanking yeah, people's yeah, yeah, I would say, But in a strategic manner for a strategic purpose right. and everything, right? yeah. which, which is, which is have high standards relative to details here. Yeah. 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 I just thought it was, I, it, I found it so fun because, you know, in light of, you know, you know, his, you know, he's a control freak. You said that. I mean, everything was that it was control freak, controlled by control freaks uh, was the place. But I mean, it seemed like he was in this fun little place where he was a little impish, but he was going to teach a lesson in the process. And so he was yanking That's people's right. chain a little bit. And I just thought that was just fun. I just thought it was a fun story because it made, you know, I don't, I don't want people to come off like, oh my gosh, you know, he's just such a control freak when you read the, you know, or, you know, he's just blowing people up. He, yeah. he, he yes, he, he was serious about what he did, but he did have this other side. Oh yeah. Oh, for sure. And if, and if anything ever said, like all Jeff did was have high expectations of his leaders and, and, and what would frustrate him are things that would frustrate me or any good leader, which is if you run your business full time and I am able to figure out an issue or a problem or a solution, or I understand a detail of your business better than you, you do. I, I'm going to be frustrated with you. That that was the essence of his frustration all the time was, was he expected us to understand the details of our business higher. I mean, he was basically, you know, back to this principle, he was insisting on the highest standards and, and that came across sometimes in frustrated manners, but it was never inappropriate. It was never unprofessional. Um, and he's at his best when he's problem solving, like he's a builder. Yeah. Well, we're gonna, real quickly, because we're running out of time here, we're up against it because of the hours almost up, uh, which has gone so fast for me, um, was think big. And it, what's written here is thinking small is a self-fulfilling prophecy. Leaders create and communicate a bold direction that inspires result. They think differently and look around corners for ways to serve customers. And it almost brings us back full circle to the very first one. So we'll talk about thinking big real quick and the importance of that. Well, I think, you know, we're all in such a rush to deliver this quarter's, this month's, this week's, today's results that senior leaders relative, uh, rarely take enough time and as a habit take enough time to really think like what's next, right? What's big? And Amazon's technique around this is is so useful and 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 can be used in others and I, i've implemented this across companies which which is it's really the the approach of working backwards right how do you start with the vision the customer experience the to be state that you want to create deeply try to define it write it out and then work backwards to how you might accomplish that and if you do that what you'll find is you're thinking beyond today uh, you're thinking big and then you're bringing it back to like, well, how would I do that? That's a better problem solving mindset than starting with today and all the constraints of today. You're awesome, man. Thank you for this hour. You were fantastic. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, tell people how they can get a hold of you and, um, you know, give yourself a little promotion here. 
All right. Yeah. So John Rossman, um, rossmanpartners.com. Um, LinkedIn is probably the easiest. John Rossman. Uh, I have a newsletter on Substack called the Digital Leader Newsletter. You can subscribe to it for free. And the Amazon Way is in paperback, in Kindle, and in Audible. Um, and you can you can buy it at Amazon. That's awesome. Thank, thank you. Stay with me, John. Hey, folks, that's the show. You know what I say to you every week, and it's this year in control of three things at all times in your life, regardless of your circumstances, your attitude, your effort, and getting back up again. I know it may be hard for you right now. I know it may be a struggle for you right now, but you know what? You can't control it. You have the power to control how you want to be today, your attitude. You can control how excellent you're going to be right now, and you can get back up. I know you can. I'm going to be back next week with another great guest. It's going to be another great book. It's going to be another great show. As I say to you everywhere all over the world, thank you and ciao, everybody. You can find the strength to go a different way, yeah. The time has come. Your dreams will take you places you have never been before. Find your passion, find your strength. Don't worry anymore. A new direction. A new direction.